Wow. Who's excited this morning? Wow. So many people. God given word this morning, isn't it? Right. Um, yeah, so this morning I want to talk about being excited. I want to talk about your journey. That's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about having an exciting journey. Who wants an exciting journey? That's more like it. We don't want boring journeys, do we? Don't want repetitive, mundane lives. We want excitement. And as Christians, not having repetition doesn't mean that we don't have routine. We come to church, reading the Bible, praying, being with God. That's all a routine. But what it does mean is that when we get to do these things, they're new opportunities. We can have a fresh outlook on what God wants to do through us at that particular time. Why? Because we believe that our God is alive. And we believe that he's working through us every day, sometimes in new ways that he hasn't done before. I don't know if you've heard of uh, that quote. It says, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Now, I'm not going to say anything. Some of you are insane. <laughs> but actually, it's true, isn't it? As Christians, we can do the same things over and over again, but with excitement and faith of what God will do next. Because even though God doesn't change, what he wants to work through you next might change. And we've got to be open to that. We go to the same job, serve on the same team, do the same things. I walk my dog on the same route all the time. Am I saying to have an exciting journey? We've got to change everything all the time. I'm not saying that, no. But we have to persevere. We'll have days where we can feel God's hand all over the conversations, all over the actions and the things that we do. And we'll have other days when we can't. And that's all right. But this morning, I want to talk about how we can journey with God and make it exciting. Some people think Christianity is boring, don't they? No. No. Growing up in school, people always assume that it's just boring. It's just hymns and rules and regulations. Now, don't get me wrong, I love hymns. But you can see where they're coming from, can't you? What are they, what are they experiencing? What are they exposed to? What they see on social media doesn't always reflect what's actually happening. For me and you, it's a lot different though, isn't it? It's a relationship with God. It's a family. It's salvation. It's a journey. Some Christians sometimes think Christianity is boring. Sometimes that's what we feel like, isn't it? But are we walking with faith today? Are we following today? Are we making our journey a journey with Jesus? We can't just look to Sunday services for our longing for excitement in our journeys. Sure, the worship was really good this morning, wasn't it? The prayer was good. Dan's all right sometimes, isn't he? But actually, we have to live for something bigger than ourselves outside of church, not just on a Sunday morning. Stepping out and walking in the Spirit is where the life of God is in his kingdom. When you get that sense in your spirit, go and talk to this person. Go here, do this, be who you're created to be. That's where the life of God is. So this morning, I just want to talk about the journey. I'm going to be reading from uh, Exodus um, 33. 
if you want to find it. Just a little backstory to this. Uh, Moses and the Israelites are currently in the desert. Uh, Moses has just been up Mount Sinai talking to God, and he's come down and he's found them making the golden calf. calf, calf. And um, yeah, so I'm just going to read from verse 1, really. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Leave this place, you and the people you've brought up out of Egypt, and go up to the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I'll give it to your descendants. I'll send an angel before you and drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go with you because you are a stiff-necked people and I might destroy you on the way. That's not what we want to hear, is it? That's not good. Sometimes we feel like that, though, isn't it? Trying to help someone, and in the end, just oh, get on with it. I don't care anymore. It's too frustrating. I can't help. But a few verses on, it says that the Lord's talking to Moses. Verse 12 says, Moses said to the Lord, You've been telling me, lead these people, but you've not let me know whom you'll send with me. You've said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you're pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I'll give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. Moses is going to the promised land. That's where he's going. The land which they had been dreaming of for generations. It says it was promised to Abraham and to Isaac and Jacob. This is a family thing. Everyone knows it. They're all going. But God says he's not in it. I wonder this morning whether we would hesitate to go into things that we've been promised. If you knew that there was this job that you really desired and it's in reach, you've been given an interview, but God says, no, I'm not coming. Would we still go? Are we doing things from our own natural wisdom? Are we using his supernatural wisdom to journey with him? My first point today is journey with him. Moses is walking in the spirit. He's decided to journey with God and waiting on God. And he's going to walk with God straight to the promised land. So in Exodus, what has already happened? Because this isn't the start of Moses' journey. We're quite a way in, actually. He's already seen the burning bush. He's been talking to God. He's seen the plagues in Egypt with Pharaoh. He's been talking for God. The escape through the, uh, through the desert and the parting of the Red Sea. He's seen miracles. He's seen wonders. He's been on top of Mount Sinai talking to God, getting the Ten Commandments. Moses knows that he can't continue without God and so walks with him instead. He knows he wouldn't have got to where he is without him and so he doesn't want to go any further forward. I wonder this morning, do you believe that where you are today is a direct result of what Jesus has done? How would you feel if God said, you take it from here now, I've got you this far, I don't want to come with you anymore? That would be scary, wouldn't it? I don't want that. A few chapters on, in Exodus 40, verse 36, it says this. But if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out until the day it lifted. And all the travels of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle, they would set out. 
the Israelites learned to walk with God in all of their travels, not just the big journeys. We need to learn to walk with Jesus in all we do and new and exciting things like the promised land for Moses will come. It's his presence that makes the difference in our lives, our journeys. Imagine Jesus walked into the back of the church right now through those doors. Some of you are looking. He's not actually here, but it would be good if he was. Imagine. I wonder what so many people would do. Jesus, have my seat. Come sit next to me. Or go sit at the front. I definitely would not be up here. Give Jesus the microphone. Dan would be like, Jesus, have my guitar. It's funny, isn't it? Tea, coffee. The whole situation would change. I don't know if you know, but on uh, Sunday mornings, we actually have a plan. There's actually one here, look. There's a plan of how the church service runs. And um, it doesn't always seem like that, but there is one. If Jesus walked in the back right now, that would be out the window, wouldn't it? The car park, no one would care. Stay here. Jesus is here. I'm going to stay. But don't we believe that he already is here? Don't we believe that we already get to be in the presence of Jesus? So how are we journeying with him if he is here? We need to walk in the Spirit. How else do we journey with him? We need to listen. I saw this thing somewhere, and I tried to find where I saw it, but then I couldn't. It says, sacrifice is saying no to yourself, but obedience is saying yes to God. We sing that song, don't we? No longer slaves. I like that song. Anyone else like that song? We're not no longer slaves so we can do whatever we want, but we're free to serve God. That's what he's talking about. No longer slaves to sin, but we are free to serve God. If you're walking with someone, if we're journeying with God, you can't just ignore them. You've got to listen to him. You've got to hear. In my family, we used to go on family walks. Anyone love a family walk? No. I've not been on too many recently, but we used to love a family walk. And in my experience, there are three types of family walks. Number one. You're walking and talking. Everyone's having a great time. The sun's shining. You just had a a picnic. It's beautiful. Everyone's enjoying themselves. Number two, you're with them, but you're kind of taking it in for yourself. You're looking at whatever nature reserve you're at, and it looks nice. You're not alone, but you're kind of doing your own thing. They're there, but you're just looking at it for you. And finally, someone's upset. <laughs> I'll give you two guesses out of the four of us. Which one's got upset? <laughs> it wasn't me or mum. <laughs> someone's upset. You're not speaking. You want to go home. You march off miles in front of everyone else and leave them behind. Just pretend they're not there. And that's the same with our journey with God when we walk with him. We need to walk and talk alongside him. We need to journey alongside him, not have him in a vague area next to us as we do it all ourselves. 
and especially not push them away behind us and try and march forward in our own strength. Matthew eleven fifteen says, whoever has ears, let them hear. I want to ask you today, church, are we listening today? We've just done this incredible series, haven't we? Here I am. Here I am series. 1 Samuel 3.10. Speak for your servant is listening. Have we ever had selective hearing? That's funny, isn't it? That's a funny one. I know I do. Dinner's ready. Woo. <laughs> Time to clean up. Woo. Didn't know that one. Sorry, Mum, I'll do it later. But we do, don't we? I want to ask you this morning, do you ever have selective kingdom hearing? Do we hear God when he says rejoice and ignore him when he says repent? Do we hear God when he says that we're gifted and do we ignore him when he says to give? Do we hear God say that we're special and ignore him when he says sacrifice? And do we hear God when he says that he's chosen us? And do we ignore him when he says we have to choose him? Journeying with him isn't easy. It doesn't say in the Bible that everything will be great all the time. You have to make hard choices and you'll hear things that you don't want to hear. But actually the reason you don't want to hear them most of the time is because they're true. And you know they're true. And they're from God. And he only wants what's best for you. So we need to listen. It's funny how little we listen to God sometimes, isn't it? The maker of the universe, creator of mankind, so close to us. And yet sometimes we think, no, I know better than that. I mean, that's silly. Or even more, it's not that we think we know better. It's just that we're not making time to listen to him. Too many times in my own life have I reflected and seen that it's not that I don't trust God. It's not that I don't go to church. It's not that I don't serve or wholeheartedly believe that this is real. But when am I making the time to just listen to what he has to say? If I do believe, if I do want this relationship, and it is this important, then what are these excuses I keep making for not making time for God and listening It's what the maker of everyone has to say because, you know, that's good stuff. In fact, why do I even think of it as making time for God when that should be the priority? I shouldn't be fitting everything around him. But really, that's the thing, isn't it? This world of me, 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 being so individualistic, we constantly get bombarded with messages from the world so many other sources of noise that we choose to listen to instead of God. Who and what are we listening to this morning? Social media, lies from the enemy, other people, telling us lies that are not the truth of God, not the promises of God. What's God saying to you in this season? It's the presence and walking with God that makes our journeys exciting and different to that of everybody else. It's what makes our journey a journey, a pilgrimage, and not just an aimless wander. How can we journey with him? We need to walk in the spirit, and we need to listen. Secondly, we need to journey for him. Verse 1 of what I read earlier, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Leave this place. 
God is instructing Moses. What's God asking of you today? How are you journeying for his kingdom? I want to suggest that we serve wholeheartedly. We serve with everything we've got. 1 Peter 4.10 says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. I love that. I'm going to read that again. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. I want you to know this morning, whether this is your first time here, you've been here a million times, that you are gifted. It doesn't say if you receive a, a, a gift. It says that you have already received it. God has given you your own individual gifts, and he loves that about you. He created it in you and for you. So whoever you are and whatever you can do, let's do it for God. To lead adventure-filled journeys, we have to make use of the uh, gifts God has given us for his purpose. You don't have to be the best. You just have to give your best. Is anyone in here actually the best like, at anything? Well, I know I'm not actually the best. Like, if Usain Bolt was here, he would be the best. When I was little, I used to play um, Lego with my mum, and that was good. Sometimes, sometimes I thought that she enjoyed it more than I did, which is probably true. But she used to play with me anyway. And she didn't play with me because I was great at building. She didn't play with me because I could make the best cars or make the best house or even make it really fast. But she did it because she's my mum and because she loves me. She did it because she wanted me to be with her and she wanted to spend time with me. And that's the same with God. Serving wholeheartedly with everything you have isn't just about what you do, but it's about who you're doing it for and why you're doing it. So if you're serving, that is great. We love that. But why are you serving? Is it just to fill a role? Or are you purposefully bringing what God's given you to the table? Are you acknowledging these gifts that you have? Because we've read it. You have them. It's not a question of whether you have the gifts or not. Are you acknowledging what God has given you and acting on it? Am I saying to journey for him that we have to serve more and more and more and do more and be on all the teams? No, but we have to realize why we serve in what we already do. And um, that is in both spiritual and practical gifts, all the gifts. Romans 12, 6 to 8 says, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is to is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And we saw that this morning, didn't we? If you can sing, come on the welcome, uh, worship team. If you're welcoming, join the welcome team. If you're gifted in children's ministry, join Kidzone. We there's always more room. If you can prophesy, then prophesy. If you can speak in tongues, then do so. I would always encourage doing any of these things, but whatever you do, do it wholeheartedly and with a purpose, the purpose of glorifying God. 
If we serve so that we're just recognized by other people, then are we serving for the right reasons? If we serve reluctantly, are we serving for the right reasons? Don't get me wrong, that doesn't mean that we have to be thrilled about what we're doing all the time, because that's very hard to do. If you can do that, then I'm very impressed. You don't have to enjoy every second. Sometimes it's the nitty gritty stuff that we get called to do. But you need to check that your heart is in the right place while you do it. Matthew 6:24 says, "No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money." Now the example of money is very good, because it's true. That's something that we can idolize. It's something that we can turn our attention to, when instead we should be focusing on, on God. But actually, it's not just money. It's so many other things. It's an overall bracket of idols, celebrities, social media, substances, anything that isn't God, which we put in the place of God, is an idol. And we each have our own, and I'm sure you can think of a few things now. But actually, we need to make sure that we're serving with God at the heart of it all. It says we have different gifts according to the grace of God to each of us. That's true, isn't it? How many gifts have we seen this morning? It's amazing. Just on the worship team. I mean, honestly, I'm going to keep going on about it. It was great this morning, guys. Honestly. And each gift is wonderful in its own right. And it encompasses so many foundations of the church. Hospitality, worship, leadership. Each gift has a purpose that is different from the others, so they all work together for the body of Christ. If we all played the guitar, that would be really annoying, actually. Just everyone bringing a guitar. But whatever your gift is, we've all actually been given the same instruction. Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations. It doesn't just say pastors and ministers and elders go make disciples. He's actually talking to the disciples about making more disciples. He's talking to you and me. So let's do it. Let's make more disciples. We've spoken about the roles that you can have in church. Making the tea, saying hello at the door, even leading from the front, praying, serving on kids' teams. And these are so important for the life of the church. But I want to ask you, what's your role outside of the church which is important for the life of the kingdom? If we're serving wholeheartedly, that doesn't mean, yeah, that means that we have to have a heart for the kingdom, whether we're in here or out there. Serving wholeheartedly isn't having one-seventh of a heart just for a Sunday morning, but it's about every day. How are we making disciples of all nations, in the workplaces, in the schools that we go to, in our colleges, in our homes? And it's not just about making disciples, but how are we continuing to be disciples ourselves? Finally, my last point. Journey to him. Verse 3 says, go up to the land flowing with milk and honey. Moses knew where he was going. He knew where he was meant to be. I want to ask you this morning, where are you going? 
We spoke all this time about the journey, which is true. But if you don't know where you're going, then how are you going to get there? And really, this whole idea of where are we going has really been on my heart for the last two years, ever since my dad passed, Pastor Dave. What a guy. What a man of God. What a dad. He was a kingdom visionary. He had immense kingdom perspective. I've been listening to his sermons recently, probably more than when he was here, he'd be happy to know. And the main thing that he talks about is perspective. In every sermon, every single one. What's your perspective like today? What is your perspective of your journey? I don't know if you know this, but his last sermon here was on the 15th of March, 2020. And that was actually the same day as his hospital admission. And in that sermon I think personally that was the best sermon he ever did and if he knew it was his last one he wouldn't have changed anything about it he said a few quotes which I just want to remind you of he said this on the same day he said we speak about eternity but live as if it's never coming I mean I know he's good but that is crazy good isn't it Maybe something that hits a bit closer to home for me was he was talking about his own dad's passing when he was just my age. He says, it takes things like this to make us understand that eternity is where we're going. I mean, what a slap in the face that was for me. Listening back to my own dad saying that. Eternity is where I'm I'm going. So how am I living now as I journey to him? As I'm journeying to God, if I am journeying, how am I journeying to him? Don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that you can do good things on your journey to get into heaven. It's not possible. Not good enough. You're already invited through Jesus' sacrifice. But if we're journeying to him, then how do we reflect that in our day-to-day lives? Knowing where we're going in the future should change how we live now. Our actions and our behaviors should come as a consequence of knowing where we're going and not knowing where we're going come as a consequence for our actions. Our behavior as we journey to him should reflect what we believe in. So, what do we believe? We believe in a risen God. We believe in an active God. We believe in the Holy Trinity. We believe Jesus is coming again. And we believe that through the grace of God, we're not condemned and have a place in heaven. Amen? And changing our behavior now because we know where we're going to go is the same for so many things. It's just one word, preparation. If you're going camping next week, You've got to make sure now that you have all the right things before you get there. If you get there and you don't have anything, well, that's because you didn't do anything now. That's because you didn't think ahead. Matthew 6, 19 to 21 says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. 
but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Where's your treasure today? If you have to think a really long time about that question, it's probably not in the right place, is it? Or maybe if it comes to us too quickly, it's not in the right place either. I actually spoke in in Ilkeston um, a couple months ago, which was great. Um, I spoke about having a kingdom perspective. Romans 12, 2, being transformed by the renewing of your mind, gaining a fresh kingdom perspective, living out God's plan in the present for God's kingdom to come. I want to ask this morning, how big is your kingdom perspective? How wide is your perception of what God has in store for you today on your journey? No matter what happens today or what happens tomorrow, I want to live an adventurous and an exciting journey in confidence that I'm living an eternal life. And not just an eternal life when I get to heaven, I'm already living an eternal life. Amen? How big is your perspective of God's kingdom? Our journey as Christians should be with him, for him, and to him. How are you journeying today? Uh, I just want to invite the band back up as we come to a close. Maybe you're just starting your journey with God. Or maybe you want to journey with him. I want to say that is amazing. That is the best decision you could ever make. To want to journey with the creator of the universe. God is so excited to journey with you. It's not like a tick box for him. It's not like, yep, they want to journey with me too. Yep. He wants a personal and intimate relationship with you to get to know you better and to love you and to care for you. We actually have um, some of these wristbands and they have four points on them. It's a heart, the first one. He loves you and he cares for you. The second one is a, an X. And that shows that we've sinned, we've done wrong, we've done things and we've fallen short of the glory of God. We all have. But the third is the cross. Jesus came and he died for us so that we may be forgiven and live an eternal life. And the last one is a question mark. It shows that it's our decision it's our choice. God doesn't force us to do anything. That's not what love is. But he loves us so much that he gives us our own choice to follow him. Maybe this morning that you want to start a journey with God. And um, I just want to pray this prayer. And if you feel like, yeah, I want to journey with God, or I have been journeying with God for a while, but actually, I want to get into it. I want to journey with him. I want to be a part, I want him to be a part of my journey. I want to serve, and I want to journey to him. Now, I'm just going to pray this prayer, and um, if you'd like, just pray it in your own heart. Let's just bow our heads. Lord, thank you that you love me. Thank you that you care for me. 
even when I don't realize it. I'm sorry for all of the things I do wrong, even when I know they're wrong and do them all the same. Thank you that you forgive me and you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for me, that I may spend eternity with you and have everlasting life. This morning, I want to invite you into my life and start this brilliant journey with you, for you, and to you. Holy Spirit, rest in me as I get to know you better. Amen.